everybody. We are back. Welcome to another episode of More Than a Title. I'm your host, as usual, Jared Thomas. I want to thank everybody once again for all the support, all the returning visitors and listeners. I appreciate you guys so much. You guys keep me so motivated and inspired. And for those new listeners, welcome for the first time. Um, More Than a Title, if you're not familiar with it, is really a show that really you know dives into the guest background and really just highlights what things they've overcome and what that professional journey looks like and that career ascension, because I feel as more valuable hearing the stories and the lessons of someone's journey versus marketing tips and tricks. And today I've got a special, special guest. This brother I've been following for quite some time. Um, I was working at, for those who know, I was working at Hootsuite and we had a quiet partnership. I had developed some great relationships with the Tint team. And for those not familiar with Tint, um, Tint is a marketing platform that allows brands to tell their stories through the voice of the users, customers, influencers, and fans, and allows brands to collect user-generated content through social media and review sites. So this brother has successfully led the business for the past four and a half years and has over 20 plus years of experience in the space. I'd like to introduce our special guest to the guest today, Samir Kamat. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Joe. No, thank you for joining, man. I know you're a busy, busy man, and I, I know we've been working on this for a while. I definitely had this one circled off, so I really, really appreciate you, man. Well, I've been a fan of your podcast. You know, I've been watching them. I've been liking them. Uh, I love, love what you do. Thank you, brother. I really, really appreciate it, man. So I, I'm, I'm excited to, to get into your background. Obviously, this is more than a title, and your story and your background is incredible, right? So I would love to let's start at the top, man. Let's start into... Um, you know, like your career journey or how did you get into the space and then what could lead up into to Tent and, and some newer things that are happening? Yeah, man. So, so I'm from India, uh, you know, come from a place of over a billion people. Uh, love that country. Uh, did my undergrad as a computer engineer. Uh, came to the States in uh, about, I don't know, a long time ago, 22 years ago. Uh, Texas A&M. Uh, Managi. Uh, came from a master's. Uh, yeah, that's right. And, and uh you know, started my, my career as a software developer, uh, grew into that role, learned a lot, uh, ran engineering for a while, uh, moved mm-hmm. into product management, moved into strategy. Uh, so there has been, you know, as long as you continue to learn, uh, that was my goal. Uh, and then eventually landed up in San Antonio uh, about five years ago, uh, headed a company called Filestack alongside with Tint, and here I am. So. It's it's been a tremendous journey. I'm very grateful for for what all has come my way. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I looked on your background too. So you had, you know, like you said, you were doing stints as a product manager, and you were serving in several mm-hmm. roles in different organizations. Mm-hmm. What happened, or what helped you make the leap to CEO? Was Filestack a business that you created on your own? Were you the founder? I, I, no, I'm not the founder of Tint or Filestack. You know, I came into the role as a CEO. Okay. So, so you know when you when 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 you are going through your your path in your career, I don't think you chase a title. You typically chase a, a problem to be solved. You typically chase something that you care about a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so, so you know you go through an, an evolution of interest over time as well. And as you learn more, I think you get to know more. Uh, uh, you know the surrounding space around what you're touching right now. So as a developer. If you have a keen interest in knowing, in knowing how the marketing team is actually marketing the stuff that you're building, it helps you grow a little bit more into that sphere. So over time, I think, I hope, I had the right credentials. So when uh, you know, ScaleWorks, an amazing venture equity firm here in, in San Antonio, uh, actually showed interest in, in my background to lead a technical uh, product like Filestack, I was ready. So I don't think I chased it. I, I'm, I'm lucky to have, uh, you know, 
sort of grown into those credentials that I needed for it. Yeah, but but it's it's the mindset that makes it is you. True. That's true. It, that's what the, what I what I got from that is what you said was don't chase the money. Like I think of most professionals chase the money and the title, right? We're all thinking, let me bounce around if I can get a twenty k raise here. If I'm getting overlooked at my current employer, let me find where the opportunities were. But you took the opportunity that you had as a dev, and you're like, hmm, if I'm doing the back end coding, and I'm up all these nights and I'm putting you know busting my tail, what does it all mean? And then you work with the SEO team, and you're wondering how it actually mm-hmm. fits the scheme of things. And then as you get into SEO, you're like, wow, so now they're being discovered. How can I use that for the product? And as the product, and you're like, how do I get that to the customer, which eventually exactly. led you to all the experience to be a leader of a, of a successful business, man. So I love it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yes, you know, you're spot on. And, and as, as the career transitions happen, uh, one thing I do believe that, you know, the, the higher you grow into the org with you, you supporting people, your role has to evolve, not you've got to be a, a servant more uh, than someone who is just giving, uh, you know, direction all the time. You're here to serve. And, and uh, it's oftentimes lost on a, a lot of folks that uh, you don't come into that role of authority and, and, and command. You are in that role to serve, you know, serve your customers, serve your partners. We have a great, great relationship with Hootsuite. Uh, serve your employees, you know, make sure that they are, uh, their well-being is taken care of, that they feel that sense of security and pride, uh, make sure we take care of our customers, uh, investors. It is a role to serve. And as long as you, you live by that every day, you're doing fine. Yeah, and that's, and that's, so, that's why I admire most CEOs and a lot of CEOs, because the pressure, the pressure of that, because you, like you said just now, you, you're serving so many people and it's just a lot of pressure. You're serving your customers, you're serving your employees, you're serving, you know, the investors. They have lofty goals. And you're like, how am I going to hit that? And how does that align with what my employees are saying? My employees are saying, slow down, Samir. <laughs> you know I mean? So true. Two things, right? So how do you how do you deal with that? And how do you create that work life balance? Like, what are some things that, you know, that make you stay laser focused on your objectives? Well, you know, for one, uh being a CEO can be a lonely job. Oh, for sure. O- o- only, o- only if you are not humble enough. Like, mm-hmm. I think in, in any role, you have to have that, that tremendous sense of humility to know that you don't know enough. And mm-hmm. you have to rely on others to fill the gaps that you don't exactly know about. So, so if you can have a team surrounding you that you completely trust, if you can have... Uh, a set of investors and partners that you can absolutely trust. It makes your job, you know, far easier. The, the pressure is not only on you because you know it's a shared goal. And, and I think that's how you got to get your, your, your sanity right, right? <laughs> because there's a lot of pressure every day. But if I can rely on the folks who actually uh, give me honest feedback, can actually tell me right from wrong, uh, can be candid enough, uh, I think the job becomes way simpler, way easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. But but it was also you you make it, most executives, what sometimes they don't do, which is like what you kind of alluded to, is they don't have that open door policy or they're open to new ideas. And that's what I love about what you just said, right? Like the, create, the, the ideas and creativity and the big idea could come from anywhere, right? And like- Exactly. Have the ego to say, look, it's my ideas, whatever I say goes, and we're going to live and, you know, live or fail on this decision. No, let's have it from everybody. And um, exactly. I, I love that concept, man. I love it, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, uh, I don't know if you've uh, 
you've read the book Drive by Daniel Pink. I'm 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 a fan of that book. Uh, the, the, I highly re- I highly recommend that. But there, there are certain uh, excerpts of that, concepts of that, that I, I live by, and 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 I run the the company by. Uh, I mean, what the, the first thing that he says, and I truly believe, is that everyone needs to have a sense of purpose in the company, and the, an individual's purpose has to align with the company's purpose. And if that aligns, then you're on to something. Right? You've got to find those people where the purpose really aligns, and then you got yourself a winning team and then everything else falls in place. Like you have the mastery of their craft and you give them autonomy to make decisions. And once you do that and the decision-making process is decentralized, I just become the listener. I'm not the speaker in most conversations. And I, I love that. Mm, love that too, man. And then being that you have so many different, you know, skill sets in marketing, and, you know, what is one of your favorite aspects of marketing? Is it SEO? Is it content, social media? Like, I'm just curious. Well, well you know, naturally, I'm biased given what, you know, what we yeah. do at, at Tint. Uh, and, and, you know, I've been looking at the spectrum of marketing over, over some spectrum of time. Like, if you look at decades of marketing, uh, when we acquired Tint, right, when Palstack acquired Tint in 2018, we came to the realization that marketing is essentially broken and it needs to have a complete overhaul. And, and here's why. It's extremely noisy out there. Uh, you know, when you talk about SEO, unless the, your content is top, top notch, you're not going to get the reach with your content as it used to be 10, 15 years ago. Sure. Uh, I have seen it so many times that brands try to buy their way through SEM or paid advertising to the hearts of the consumer. And it is essential, but not sufficient, right? You have to, of course, have ads, but you cannot buy your way to the heart of a consumer. And so that is one realization that SEM and ads aren't enough. But what has stood the test of time? Like, if, even if you go back to, you know, the 1960s or even the 80s and then 2000s, Word of mouth has always stood the test of time. Oh. Like someone saying, you know, hey, I would, I would use that brand right there. I love their product. Uh, I, I use it every day. You automatically are creating this multiplier effect where someone's purchase decision just got influenced because you care enough about this brand. And that to me, you know, consumer psychology mm-hmm. has applied with uh, with with the spreading of a communal feel for for the advocacy of a brand is I think the most powerful piece of marketing and it all it all sits on on a bed of trust mm-hmm. which I think has been eroded over time marketing has been more superficial brands you know always feel like they have to have a megaphone and they will stand on the mountaintop and and, and <laughs> proclaim that they are the best and that's not how it should be done because it should be your advocates, your people who love you that scream from the mountaintops. And that's, I think, the most fascinating side of marketing to me. That, that is so true. And I totally agree with you about the broken aspect of marketing. And for anybody listening, I know a lot of salespeople are listening too, but you mentioned something, the consumer psychology. That is so important to sales and marketing. And I'm going to give you a parallel. So like you said, with the SEO, right? So you're competing for those topics. You're not getting the same visibility, right? But you know, it's needed. Similar to cold calls mm-hmm. and emails. So the way yeah. consumers are the, uh, you know, getting their content, the way they're consuming is completely different. Nowadays, they're exactly. on LinkedIn. 
they're on TikTok, they're on Discord, they're in all these places. And so what I try to empower sellers with is to show them that there's other ways to do it because the relationship will work similar to the paid marketing. The email will get right. you in the door. But if I can get you to come in the door without me asking, I control the leverage as the salesperson. And it's a much more enjoyable experience for everyone involved. That's true. That's so, true. Very, very true. I think, I think understanding, because marketing is more, uh, is, it's, it, is a, it is the science of, of numbers and influence, but it is influencing the person you want to. The, the psychology on the other side, the consumer psychology is what should dictate how you do what you do. Uh, right. And, and, you know, we, we live and breathe that uh, because, you know, we, we deal with certain verticals uh, very, very well. For example, universities is a big vertical for us. Yeah. Uh, travel and hospitality is a big vertical for us. Uh, CPG, retail, social commerce, food and beverage, you know, that spectrum of, of verticals is very dear to us. And yeah. in each one, the, the psychology is different. Like if you look at the uh, why a university should care about the psychology of the student engagement. Students spend more time probably on Instagram than they are at the university talking about a certain course because they put their lives out there. And, and if you want to attract top-notch talent to come to your university, you have to tap into the collective psychology of the student body. Mm. And, and that feeds into how you are portrayed as a university to the world. Yeah. That psychology has to be understood for every demographic, right? If, if you're trying to purchase something, if you're trying to uh, go in and stay in, in a certain room, in a certain hospitality uh, chain, everything is dictated by how the consumer views what you're mm. saying. So it's fascinating. I, lo I love that. By, by the way, I, I, you know, if, if you ever get a chance to read a book called Alchemy by, by Rory Sutherland, I highly recommend that. It's one of my favorite books uh, that goes deep into the psychology of the consumer. It's wonderful. Can you, can you just, after this, can you just DM me the one drive and that one just so I don't forget it? Because I definitely want to yeah, tap it. Drive yeah. and, and alchemy, I will send you both. My man, that, that is so amazing. And But I, I love what you're saying about like the psychology. I love, I could talk about social media all day and UGC, right? But I think the biggest problem similar to personal branding with UGC is that brands understand the importance of it but they can't quantify it. So like what you said was, was super important with the universities, right? And I know there's probably a marketer right now listening to this like, Samir, that sounds amazing, but the psychology, but how the heck do I do it? What do I do? Social listening is a way you do that, all right? So, That's if, you, right. That's right. so if you're listening to the universities, there's tools out there. Um, I don't wanna say it because I'm not getting any, any bucks for it, but you guys know who you are. <laughs> but um, basically you could purchase into these tools and they basically would scrape or listen to you know, people's personal social media channels, LinkedIn, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And really what you use that's for research and development and content strategy to hear what your audience is talking about and join conversations that are already happening. So that, 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 that is true. I, I, and it, it, it goes full circle because, you know, the marketers at universities or, or any large brand uh, always is in, in the rut of how do I create more content that really converts? And mm -hmm. While you need social listening platforms uh, uh, to understand the sentiment, it doesn't help you acquire the content for repurposing across every channel. So, for example, a student walking down a, a, a hallway at the rec center and there is a big screen. The student life should be flashing on it. Like if I Instagram DM or put something out there in the social networks about the university right there and then, 
my face should show up saying i care about this university and it's mm. it's a very virtuous cycle of feeling loved because the university put my name on it as the brand ambassador right there and i'm right standing in front of it it, it it is it is amazing when you try to dig into how the brands should really tap into making sure that your tribe in, in seth gordon's words your tribe is truly taken care of yeah and i i've seen it work firsthand in events when i tell you samir <laughs> oh yeah space oh my goodness so guys so for those listening right so i'm in social media week i'm working with the team um, we have a, a beautiful activation, right? And shout out to Laura and the whole team there because each one I went to social media world and social media week, you absolutely killed it. Laura, Melanie, love you ladies. You know how we do. But um, we have this big thing and people are coming in, they're taking their pictures. We're all, you know, we're having fun and they're instantly going in. And then when they look to the right, they see a big screen with what they just posted on it. And now yes. they're all excited. They're like, oh, you get the love. And it's the same concept of what you're saying. So, I would love to know, like, as far as UGC, where do you see UGC evolving? Because you made the post, and we were talking about it offline, right? As far as UGCs and influencers, what are the real differences between them? Because I feel like those are interchangeable terms depending on the context. Well, you know, UGC, the U in UGC is the user. And a user could very well be uh, various kinds. For example, a user could have a following of 200 followers or a million followers, it's still a user. Now, uh, the difference between a creator and an influencer is essentially the reach and the kind of content that you might create. Uh, a, a brand, I, th- you know, I have my thoughts around, around influencers because uh, influencers work really well when there is a certain uh, campaign to be launched and a certain kind of content that needs to be created for example, mm. Nike wants to create a campaign for yellow Air Jordans from this year. Just finding that that particular shoe and people who've used that shoe through all the social uh, media content out there is difficult. That's where you need an influencer campaign saying, all right, whoever has these kind of shoes, we want content from you. We want you to repost it, use your reach, get more content, get the entire engine running. Yeah. But but UGC is how do you get the nano influencer, the ones who truly care about the brand without any vested interest of a monetary transaction. They go to, go and stay say, at, at the high. They love their experience. Yeah. They are going to post on, on whichever social network they care about. I am here. I love it here. I'm going to go to the spa now. It's awesome. That mm-hmm. just triggers... You know, if the brand can take that piece of content and then repurpose it in an omni-channel way, that mm-hmm. goes far further in, in attracting more people to want to go there and do what they did. Mm-hmm. Then, then and a specific influencer campaign. So I think both have their place. One is where you get a lot of content about a brand or from everyone who cares about you coming at you. And then we allow you to pick the gold and then use it. You know, however you want it. And an influencer campaign is, I have this new product or I have a specific need. I want this content created and I want it pushed out with their influence. Slightly different nuance, but very, very effective. I don't think uh, uh, it's one or the other. You have to have a strategy that includes both. I definitely think so. But I think as we, as Web 3.0 and all that stuff continues, right? And I think the influencers having to say that it's an ad 
we're also getting noisy to that, right? So if you, that's right. So that's so so UGC is going to be much more valuable in time, right? Like you said, because there's no monetary transaction. Those are the people who actually love it. But the question for me is, and like for brands, which I, I, I'm trying to figure out myself. So I post up, you know, I love tent, this and the third. And guess what? Somebody from my network, they love tent. They go and see it. They just happen to be in the need of a UGC platform. They go sign up for a demo. But how would you know that it came from that and not other marketing efforts? So how do you still give it the right importance or the right level of attention that it should need? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, UGC is all about scale, right? You you need to have enough content that is collected from the collective voice that helps you convert some, you know, a, a new hand raiser to say, I, I now care about this. Attribution becomes difficult as to which one of those voices truly converted. Now, 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 now we do have the capability. So when we collect UGC and we allow brands to repurpose that on their website, on screens, and email, social media, through Hootsuite, uh, anytime a post gets engaged with, so someone clicks and say, hey, that's interesting. Jared just did this and uh, that post on the website. I click on that. The brand knows there's immediate attribution. Now, now take it one step further. You just made that piece of content shoppable. So, uh, you know, uh, you have this fine hat on. If that picture of yours, the hat is tagged to go and then purchase it from that store. You just made the piece of UGC now attribution to revenue. So you can map out a direct attribution from who posted what, how did that post convert, did it lead to revenue or not, all through how we present that data or, or the content to the users. So very much a way, uh, you know, but that's, that's why we exist. I mean, we, we want brands. I was talking to someone recently. I said, our job is not to create the best UGC platform. Of course, we, we, we really want to do that. We are that. But if you, if you really think of it, our jobs right now is to change the mindset of the marketers and yeah. brands. Because they are so wired into doing things a specific way that it's our jobs to tell them, look, whether you're Nike or whether you're, you know, a a small little uh, company that sells, for example, drills, uh, how do you get everyone in the middle to understand that, look, there's a different way of connecting to those who care about you that those who will buy the first time for, from you and those who will come back and buy more from you. That is the cycle, life cycle of a consumer that every brand wants. And we've got to change the mindset of how they've approached it. And that's what UGC does for them. Absolutely. And I think, then what do you think? Because I think, right, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think there's a lot, I think there's a little more uh, room for creativity in B2C, but I think B2B, mm-hmm. we're just stuck in that old, like, wait, we have to do it a certain way, the same color palettes, the same messaging. And we're all, even if you're B2B, you're a B2C brand and everybody working at those companies, you are your own media channel. Yes. So, so true, man. You know, we've talked about this uh, with with webinars that we've done together. Uh, The voice of the employee is completely underestimated in the world of B2B. Uh, Even B2C, but but certainly B2B. Uh, the, The voice of an employee was probably... And I think it's Hootsuite study 10 times further 10 times. than yep. the voice of the brand itself. And, and still companies don't, don't leverage the voice of the employee. I think B2B, you know, really needs to take it to heart as to how to make the employee the center of their marketing focus um, and let them speak for the company. 
see the, the problem is at least when I when I spoke with a lot of brands, the problem was how do we effectively implement this, right? So how do we make sure people stay on brand? How do we make sure mm-hmm. Jared doesn't color outside the lines or whatever the case may be? He doesn't say something or share sensitive data about the company and all that other stuff. But really, it's just a simple process. Keep it simple. Have fun. Don't be stupid. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, in in certain uh, environments, you need to have highly regulated uh, posts, etc. But in most cases, most cases, you just have to let the employee be. Let yes. them let them show their you know their true heart for for who they work for, and they will not do stupid things. Uh, you have to have guidelines, but but you have to trust the employee. If they have the right uh, if they have the right heart in place, they will do the right thing. That's it. That's it, man. And it's all about that. I, I'm going to be honest. I've never looked at a social media guideline. <laughs> I've never looked at it. But where my, where my social media, my branding experience came from, just came out of necessity. I had to do it. You know what I mean? Right. It was the point where I was at a small agency and I was like, I, how am I going to get in touch with Nike? I can't. They don't know who the heck I am. So my psychology right. was, how do I create content to draw them to me and humanize myself and eliminate myself exactly. from being a seller? And that's exactly. what brands have to do. How do I eliminate myself from being just a brand? Because none of the days where you could just print dollar bills, nowadays the younger consumers, my son's generation, they're going to know what political affiliations you have. They're going to know what you're doing for the so community. Cool. They're going to want to know so many different things. So from executive all the way down to the SDR, you need to be online and sharing that story. Like the best stories I've seen are authentic ones. Even one myself, I had a, I made a mm-hmm. post one day where a lady ghosted me at 8.30 at night for a phone call. She was a CEO. And I'm like, well, there goes dinner with my kids. If you know what I mean, you could have told me a reschedule works every single time. And then she happened to see it and it got like 15, 20,000 views. And I ended up closing a deal with her the next week, which was which was Uh, so crazy. But it's just being honest, like this is what happened to me. And so if you think of it from that lens, especially sellers, you know, share what you share, what you want, share what's comfortable. I could share a medium rare steak. And guess what? Samir might just happen to be at a steak. He's <laughs> like, man, right. a porterhouse. And I love it. And, and, and now you're there. I completely agree. And, and you know what? Uh, like, especially, you know, Gen Zs, uh, they don't like to be sold to. Uh, yeah. You have to, you, you, especially for a B2C brand, if you try to uh, force your way to the pocket of a Gen Z, you will fail. You have yes. to make sure you, like you mentioned, you know, what do you care about? What social causes do you care about? And then, again, build that community around you where they truly tell their story for the rest of them. So uh, forcefully selling um, with, uh, with with a megaphone in your hand, brand, those days are long gone for brands. For sure. For sure. But also, I'm, I'm going to do the flip side of that, Samir, because I've also seen bad personal and employee advocacy campaigns, right? Where they're always 300 employees sharing the exact same message and you get drowned out and it gets tiring. So right. so marketers and brands, please keep that in mind as well. So I know that you could be a brand and you might have an abundance of content, but you need to be asking your employees if they're going to share this to go read the read the blog, maybe take five bullet points from the blog. Mm-hmm. Give them a reason. And I, I like to say, like your copy is the is the movie trailer. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to click on that link if I don't like what the movie's going to show me. So <laughs> that's right. That's true. That is so true. So, so true. you got to think about I, that. I, yeah, I, I think the personality of the employee has to show in in the in what they post about the brand and 
it, it's it's the the collective personality of brand that comes out with the sum of all of them. But if the same thing is is posted over and over again, I think it's a little bit of washed over from an attention standpoint. I've seen it. I've seen it with big announcement. I'm like, oh my! I had somebody actually. Oh, if I see one more announcement about this, you guys, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh sorry, man, but I gotta share them. Oh man, what do I That's a perfect segue, though. Let's talk about you know the personal brand aspect, right? So I'm in the firm belief that I think in the next three to five years, or I think the CMOs of the world aren't going to be the guys or the person or the women with a 10, 15 year background with the MBAs. It's going to be the people who develop a successful personal brand and as the mm-hmm. use case, and they're going to be utilizing that leverage or that audience to help brands succeed and hit their objectives, right? So as an employee, you know, I was working with several different organizations. I was driving in traffic. I was driving leads. But I'm curious, what's your take on employee advocacy? Should a person that has a good branding, should they be compensated for that? Or do you think they should be compensated in other ways if you're working for organization? What, do you, what are your thoughts? <laughs> You know, you, within an organization, especially larger ones, you find employees of various kinds, those who are comfortable sharing, those who aren't comfortable putting their lives on social media. And sometimes uh, to kickstart uh, an employee advocacy program, you have to find employees with strong personal brands mm-hmm. just to get the ball rolling. And, and once you get the ball rolling, then others chime in, you know, you, you, it's a snowball effect for the betterment of the company. And for those, you know, 5, 10, 20, 15, whatever employees that you choose with strong personal brands to get that ball rolling, I think they should be compensated. Uh, I, you know, because they are helping the company. They're, they're amplifying the voice of that company. Uh, and they're, they're getting people around them to be inspired to do more. And and there's value to that. Absolutely. Which goes back to your, your SEO and your SEM, right? So if you would have took that same budget that you would give to the employees and use it on a Google ad, it's not going to have the same impact that it would if I'm saying I'm using Tint. I love this platform. Everybody needs to use it. And then my friend John sees it. And he's like, man, I trust Jared. Jared says it's good, man. I'm going to go do it. It's different trust, different credibility, different purchase experience, all those different things. So it does matter. And for any companies looking to implement a brand, I mean, implement an employee advocacy program, I feel like every person who ever created on LinkedIn gets hit by the LinkedIn bug. And what I mean by that, Samir, is I remember the first time I went viral, so to speak, right? I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram. I get a couple hundred views. I'm like, who gives it? Who cares? I've seen 50,000 views. I said, what? <laughs> what the heck is this thing all seriously and then um two months after the personal branding i would go to get a chicken parm at lunch me and my sales partner and people were like can i take a picture with you and i'm like Holy awesome. <laughs> i don't know i'm just i got a quota hit what's going on with all that stuff so i think everybody gets hit at that moment where you're like wow the visibility is really crazy here and i need to focus on it so you need to gamify it right have different you know, benchmarks. If you hit a thousand, a thousand views talking about our platform today, you get a $25 gift card. If you get 5,000, you get the 50, whatever the case may be. And then whoever gets the most views in that week gets the, the marketing hat or something like that, which comes with a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. And you make it a game in the office. And before you know it, you're generating millions of impressions literally for free. And then you're empowering your employees. I, 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 you're, you're spot on. I think, you know, the concept of gamification also uh, needs a little bit of conversation because it's not just yeah. 
gamifying the employee advocacy program, brands that want to connect with their audiences, the, the community has to feel that this brand is fun. You know, actually work, you know, caring about this brand, uh, I, it's not only that I'm, I'm, I am similar to others who care about this, but now I might actually enter a contest to uh, get something cool out of this. Uh, I'm going to do even harder to create more content for this brand because I really care about it. So, I, you know, gamification through contests, sweepstakes, polls, uh, and, and, and giving product in return or, or something significant in return is a strategy that most brands should employ, especially in the world of, of social media. You know, it has to be fun, man. It, you know, that, that community has to be uh, absolutely loving the things that you do with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I remember the old, I remember back in the day in the events before I was introduced to 10 stuff. I remember when we used to generate the leads. So I used to have to be those guys in the events, taking the business cards in exchange. You drop your business card in the jar. You might get it a free iPad. You mm -hmm. lose the iPad. And guess what? Jared's still going to call your ass in 48 hours. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. <laughs> and it backfires. So if you're going to implement it, guys, please, the, the customer has to feel has to feel like they're a part of the journey with you. And um, I would love to introduce you to a gentleman. I don't know if you're familiar with, but Arjun Rai, he's the CEO of Hello Wolfie, which is another Hootsuite partner. And he actually had it to the point where his customers had a chance to actually buy into the company. So I thought that was a genius concept where me as a user of Hello Woofy product, I put a couple hundred bucks, a thousand bucks. Now I own equity in the stake. And then when I see it blow up and now I'm invested in it and now I'm sharing the UGC and now I'm sharing content about it. I just thought that was genius, man. So other, if you hear this, think about ways that you can tap into your community because community is everything. I tell everybody every week, guys, audience is key. Relationships are currency, right? If you get people to buy into yourself, buy into your mission, your cause, you can sell whatever product they want because they are going to champion it and want to buy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it is so key, man. And that's why I'm like, oh, man, I, I, that's what, what gets me so because um, a lot of people, I never use marketing in my sales. Right. And there's mm -hmm. always been a disconnect between sales and marketing my entire career. And I know you've seen it <laughs> where the team is sitting over there and then I'm sitting all the way over here and I'm like screaming because these 20 leads suck. And you're like, whoa, I took me, <laughs> took me, I did the best piece of content ever to drive those 20 leads. You better call them. So done are those days. And I'm thinking, you know, moving forward, at least for the industry, Marketers should be in sales. Marketers should understand sales and sales need to understand marketing and it needs to be a complete alignment and parallel in birth divisions. And that's how you really excel. And that's what you guys got to think about. Uh, yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. And especially for B2C products. I mean, uh, probably. Uh, you, you probably won't have, you know, uh, the, the, it's, it's largely driven by marketing because you, you want to have a sale with low cost of acquisition for whatever the product that you sell. But yeah. if, if, it, if it's, if it's a, a B2B product, uh, you're spot on, man. You know, marketing and sales, there's always a little bit of this. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, both have to understand and empathize with the other uh, to actually succeed. So. Yeah, yeah. So I, I get that all the time. They're like, Jared, man, why don't you go into marketing? I, I like to control my destiny. I, why can't I do that? <laughs> Why aren't there hybrid sales and marketing roles, right? Because if you're marketing, if you can talk to the customer, you're dangerous. You yeah. are dangerous. So uh, I, 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 think, I think the world of ABM sort of blends that a little bit more. You know, where yeah. strategic sales, uh, you have to put that hat on of being a marketer 
to a set of one, you know, that one yeah. customer strategic account that you're going after, you have to have the mindset of, of a strong marketer and a salesperson to actually woo them over. So exactly. I think that's the closest where it gets, but uh, otherwise I, I hear you. So, so true, man. So true. And I know we got, we went a little over brother, but I would love to just, before we go, I just want to, you know, ask you some questions about you, man. I would love to dive in to your stuff, man. So what, what are some things that you're excited about right now in terms of just, just anything it could be marketing, anything. What are you looking for towards the future, man? What's getting you pumped up? Well, a lot of things. I mean, uh, for, for one, I think people are back to being slightly healthier. Uh, I think the pandemic was, uh, was, was, was quite painful for a lot of people. And I think we are reeling out of it just a little bit, but it's good to see that uh, health is being prioritized for almost everyone in the world and they're coming back. It's getting back to normal just a little bit. Um, so, so very grateful for that. Uh, you know, personally, I think it's all about relationships and we've built a company uh, that is in the business of making sure that authenticity is the, the focal point. And, I, I see a world, you know, I think we're moving towards it where uh, trust is being put back on the table at oh. conversations between people, uh, at conversations between brands and consumers. And if, if we as a company can, can help sort of put a dent in that problem just a little bit more and, uh, and, and help, uh, I think it's very satisfying. So it's, it's, it's a very uh, high level answer, uh, but that's what wakes me up in the morning, that we are actually making a big difference how we operate and why we exist. Absolutely. And I know you probably already think of it, thinking of it, but I have to say it. You know what I mean? Um, sports. That's, oh my, that's a huge vertical, man. Huge sports vertical. Is. Uh, uh, absolutely, man. You know, we have a, a few basketball teams that uh, that use the product, a few football yep. teams, uh, the, uh, NHL teams. So, so the voice of the fan is a very powerful one. And and uh, when that voice of the fan can translate to ticket sales, can translate to season tickets, can translate to merchandise sales, uh, the brand, the sports team does care uh, a lot about that. So so the voice of the fan is something that, you know, I, I think we've done a, a pretty good job. And, and you talk about large screen activations. Yes. Sports arenas is are it? beautiful, beautiful <laughs> for <laughs> You could you could do that for that for sports and also concerts, right? So if I'm going like for instance, yeah. I'm going to a J. Blige concert with mom. So if now imagine if everybody in the Mary J. Blige, oh, she's playing my life right now, she's playing this, and then you see it, oh my god, they got it. Right there, me being able to see my name on that Jumbotron, screenshot that, share it to my socials. Now that's an experience that I'm not gonna get anywhere else. And guess what? I'm gonna be excited as hell and tell everybody. Absolutely, man. I mean, we've done some some of the largest activations in the world. Uh, you know, iHeart uh, Media is in a Christmas ball. Uh, we, we powered the activation for uh, Michelle Obama's book tour. And, and, and you know, uh, uh, the, the, her team was naturally responding to social media real time. But as they were posting it, the large screens in the arena were showing the responses and it was, it was crazy good. Uh, you know, it, it's very satisfying to see as, as Someone in the audience, your name out there, and and her team responding to it. It's it was done beautifully. I, lot, kudos to that team, but uh, the engagement was just spectacular. Oh man, I, you get me giddy about the product, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Picturing it as you're saying it, and I'm like, damn, that is oh, brilliant. Like shit, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it, man. So so another another question for you, man. Like so, 
what does what does happiness or what does success look like for you at this point in your career, man? Because you're you're at a, you're the CEO of a, of a growing company. What does 10, 15 years look like for yourself, brother? You know, you know, 10, 15 years is a, is a long, long time. I think uh, one has to find the passion every day. And, and that success every day is, is uh, you know, what can you learn today that I didn't know yesterday? And that's a successful day. But uh, when it comes to, uh, to the professional life, naturally, uh, the world of, of social content, the world of, uh, world of world of mouth is going to evolve. You know, social networks might come and go in 10, 15 years. Who knows, so right? True. TikTok is, is on such a tear in the last two years. It mm-hmm. wasn't so before. So who knows, 10, five, five, 10 years, you know, we'll have metaverse and, and there will be a virtual space and people will gather around this virtual town hall uh, in, in metaverse and, and the way that people buy will change. The, the way that people... Uh, employee advocacy might change because you are all in this virtual presence uh, and, the, and, and the physical and virtual worlds will bridge. Uh, just exploring that and, and the potential of it uh, is going to be tremendous. And, and for me, success would mean how do I uh, so understand where we can take uh, the company that we are, we are in? How can the world of marketing change? And, and what can I do for it? So uh, it's going to be a very interesting next few years to 10 years. That's ex- that's an exciting challenge, though, man. That's it such is. A, it you, is. Know, it, you know, like, you know how marketers say you got to skate to where the puck is going to be and being able to, you know, obviously not knowing if metaverse is going to be adopted mainstream in the next five years. Are we going to have the resources, exactly. the hardware, the infrastructure, all those things in place? Will the consumer really adapt to it? Will they say, hey, this is the timing. Timing is everything with marketing sales, as you know, man. So. I, I would be so giddy, man. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do, brother. Um, and I just want to say I thank you once again, Samir. Like, you're an amazing guy. I appreciate you taking the time out your day, man. You don't know me. You didn't know me from, you know, from <laughs> anything, man. And I just appreciate your support, brother. Like, conversations like this is why I do it, man. I learned so much from yourself and so many others. And these conversations are needed, man. Your story is Likewise, so- man. Likewise, I think, you know, this conversation, I've learned quite a bit about you, about what you care about, about what your viewers care about. Uh, you yes, know, sir. thank you for having me. I, I, I truly mean it. Brother, you have an invite anytime. And anytime you're in New York, man, I give this invite to all the guests, man. You let me know dinner, beer, whatever you want to do, man. My treat. I would love to just link up with you, man, and, and just continue this conversation off air because this has been crazy. I love it. I'm going to take you up on that. I love it, too. Please, please do. Not enough. And every guest, please take me up on it. Why the hell? You're in New York for advertising week. What's up? Hit <laughs> 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 me up. But, <laughs> so, everybody, thank you once again. Uh, Samir, thank you again, brother. And everybody who's listening, watching in YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, you guys are amazing. Thank you to the family that's been supporting me. Everybody, I, I just love you guys. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. We actually have a really interesting episode. We have Paxton Baker, who is the chairman of the Washington National funding group so that is insane like i never knew it and he's a he's also a black man a black professional and i never knew that we you know you don't see too many black professionals as the owners of leagues but as also the chairman of the team oh man i was so inspired and i can't wait to hear this brother's story man so tune in next week guys we're gonna see you gonna have fun as always and samir thank you again brother and thank you for another episode in the title What?